We've all been there. Maybe it was your mother's favorite lamp. Maybe it was your dad's camera. Maybe it was the family car. You were playing baseball in the house. You knew you weren't supposed to, but then it happened. The lamp got broken. You were told dozens of times never to touch your dad's camera, but curiosity got the best of you, and as you were touching it, you dropped it and it broke. You were being very careful and cautious to back your new car out of the garage, so careful and cautious that you forgot to put the garage door up. (laughs) And now surveying the damage, you realize, oh no, it's broken. There's no way to hide it. It's right there. The garage door is laying right on top of the Chevy. The only option is to move to Canada. (laughs) Well, that would have worked about as well as what Adam and Eve tried to do here in Genesis chapter 3. We've been reading through this passage where they make the terrible decision to disobey God. And after they disobey God, things don't work out quite the way that they thought they would. Not only did they not become like God as the serpent had promised them, Not only did that not happen, now everything was broken. Their relationship with each other was broken. Their relationship with God was broken. Everything was broken. And that's what sin does. Sin breaks everything. The Bible tells us that sin breaks our relationship with each other. Let's take a look at what happened to Adam and Eve. Verse 6, we'll start reading here in Genesis chapter 3. When the, women, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. None of this was what they had been promised. It certainly wasn't what they had expected. Their eyes were opened, but what they saw wasn't what they were expecting to see. You remember that dream where you're standing in front of your class and you're giving your report and all of a sudden you realize you forgot to get dressed that morning? (laughs) Well, well, that's what it was like for Adam and Eve, only a thousand times worse. It wasn't so much the embarrassment, although I'm sure there was plenty of that for both Adam and Eve. It was that something was wrong. Something had changed between them. And all of a sudden, for the first time in their existence, they wanted to hide. They didn't want the other person to see them. So they tried the fig leaf boutique. (laughs) It didn't work out so well. It wasn't quite the fashion statement they were looking for. Here's the problem. Sin breaks our relationship with each other. Now, that's obvious with some sins. Yeah, if you murder somebody, that's going to change the relationship. We get that. And if you steal something from someone, they're probably not going to invite you over for Sunday dinner. Lying, adultery. We we get how those sins hurt 
others. But, but then there are those sins that we think, well, it's not really going to hurt anybody. The victimless sins. Well, there's no such thing. For example, let's say you become envious of someone. Well, yeah, that's, that's not something we would strive to be. We wouldn't want to be envious. That's wrong to be envious. But who does it really hurt? Well, it hurts more than you think. Obviously, it hurts you. But it hurts others as well. For one thing, when you become envious about somebody because of something they have that you don't, you are objectifying that person. You're viewing them as an object, not as another equal person. You're viewing them as something that you should have that you don't, not as another person that is worthy of respect and love that God created. It changes the relationship. And so it is with every sin that we think doesn't hurt anybody. That never works out the way that we think that it will. Your life impacts the lives of others, whether you know that it does or not. What Adam and Eve affected their relationship with each other, but it had cascading impact on their family and on their ancestors right down to you and me. Now, now before you go blaming them, we're, we're all just as guilty. But the impact of what Adam and Eve did lasts right into this morning. We need to realize the impact our sin has, that it lasts far beyond just the obvious things that we think about. The impact of our sin can go on for generations. Now, we all know how this works. You, you know, you notice that little leak, a little water on the floor maybe, or maybe the carpet's just got a little spot where it's a little bit damp. But you don't really worry about it. You think, well, I'll take care of it one day. It's not really leaking all that much. And then all of a sudden you discover that the entire floor has rotted out from under it. And what would have only cost a few hundred dollars to fix initially now costs thousands of dollars to fix. We've seen it on a bigger scale as well. You'll remember back when Hurricane Katrina went through the New Orleans area. It was a devastating hurricane that affected millions of people. However, later studies have shown that it didn't have to be as bad as it was. There were a cascading series of bad decisions going back dozens of years that created the widespread devastation that came out of that hurricane. Structures were not built in the right way. Levees and flood protection designs had not been kept up for years. There was so much neglect in some of the poorer sections of town that it caused social breakdown after the storm hit. And the result of that storm still lasts today. Adam and Eve got a front row seat for the cascading devastation of their sin. They knew that eating the fruit of the forbidden tree was wrong, but they had no idea how wrong. 
The first realization was that their relationship was no longer the same. It was broken. For the first time, they were ashamed and wanted to hide. That's what sin does. It breaks our relationship. It devastates our families. And that's why it's so vital that we understand just how much Jesus has done for us. When he died on the cross and paid the price in full for our sin, he did something we cannot do. When we try to fix our sin, it's like Adam and Eve sewing together some fig leaves thinking that's going to take care of everything. No, we need to do what only Jesus could do. Romans 5.8 tells us, But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were broken. While we were devastated because of the bad choices we have made, Christ died for us. For us, knowing fully the impact of sin, Jesus knew what we only glimpse. He knew the full impact and devastation of our sin. He knew how far the tentacles of our disobedience go. He knew how much pain sin created, and he took all of that on himself. Knowing that Christ has the answer should make us even more aware of the devastating nature of sin. How it tears us apart. But as bad as that is, as bad as the realization is that sin devastates our relationships, it does something that's even worse than that. Because sin not only breaks our relationship with each other, sin breaks our relationship with God. Verse 8, it doesn't sound terrible, it's bad, it's embarrassing, but what verse 8 in Genesis chapter 3 describes is something that is absolutely crucial for us to understand. Here's the verse, verse 8, Then the man and the wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Now, what's going on here? Well, Adam and Eve's relationship between each other was broken. That was bad enough. They were ashamed to see one another. But suddenly, Adam and Eve found themselves with a much more serious problem. Their relationship with God was broken, too. They had never been fearful of God. They had rejoiced in His presence. They were there in the Garden of Eden in a place where they had perfect fellowship with their Creator. We can only begin to imagine what that was like. There was nothing between them and God. But all that changed. Now they hid from God. They didn't want God to see them. They didn't want God to see what they had done. 
Now, we realize how ridiculous this was. Exactly how they planned to hide from God. But it was far worse than just being caught in an embarrassing situation. There are 30 times that this word for hide appears in the Old Testament. 25 times. It describes people who were hiding out of abject fear. This wasn't just Adam and Eve thinking, oh, here comes God. We better not let him see us. They were terrified. They were absolutely broken in their realization that suddenly all the love of God they had enjoyed, all of the fellowship with God that they had enjoyed, that was all changed now. And that change had a horrifying consequence, something that had never crossed their mind when they were looking at the fruit thinking, well, that looks interesting, that looks good, and maybe it will make us have a better life, maybe God's trying to keep... They never gave a second thought to what now crushed in upon them, they realized, we're going to die. Without perfect fellowship with God, they would lose everything. They lost their perfect relationship with each other. They lost their innocence. They lost their existence without fear. And now they realized we will die. That's what sin does. Whatever it promises, death is what it delivers. And the second they heard God walking in the garden, they realized. going to die. There comes a moment in every act of disobedience where there is that realization that is described with the theological term, oops, (laughs) I didn't quite turn out the way that I thought it was going to turn out. We're like the prodigal son eating slop with the pigs, all of a sudden realizing, you know, this didn't quite work out the way that I thought it was going to. We hold the broken pieces of whatever our sin has destroyed, and we realize these pieces are the least of our problem. That's what the conviction of sin brings. We, we reach that point that, that Paul describes in Romans chapter 7, verse 24. He has gone through a section where he has described his sin. And, and he doesn't pull any punches. He doesn't try to cover it up. He doesn't try to say, well, you know, I wasn't that bad of a guy. No, he talks about in no uncertain terms how terrible his sin is. And then he concludes that passage with this statement in verse 24. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? We take a look at at the mess we have made of our life and, and we reach that same 
conclusion. It's exactly the conclusion that Adam and Eve came to. What were we thinking? What have we done? And they tried to hide. Now the good news is, Romans chapter 7 doesn't end with verse 24. There is a long explanation of, of how Paul has recognized the full depth of his sin, how he's recognized how he is broken, how he recognizes all the things that he has done and how he has destroyed his relationship with others. He's destroyed his relationship with God. He, he realizes all that, and he, he understands fully in verse 24. He says, what a wretched man I, I am. There's no excuse for any of this. What can be done? Who will rescue me from this body of death? I can't do it. And then comes verse 25. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. We need to fully realize the devastation that our sin creates in order that we can fully see our need for the victory that only Jesus provides. We have to realize that we're broken before we can understand the healing of God's forgiveness. We have to realize our relationship with God is severed by our sin before we can know the blessed restoration that Jesus brings. Folks, there's a reason we call Him Savior. Because that's what He's done. There's a reason we call Him Lord. Because when we recognize our devastation, when we recognize what our sin has done, when we realize there's nothing we can do to change it, and then we understand that Jesus has done everything Everything that needs to be done to mend our brokenness. There's only one way to respond to that. And that is to bow before Him as Lord. Folks, we have a lot of people in Springfield. We have a lot of people in in uh, Missouri and, and, and in America and in the world, that, that, that we may pass them by, and oh, i got nothing in common with them. You know, we look at somebody, they dress a little different than we do, or maybe they have a little different lifestyle than what we've got, or maybe they've got something going on in their life that we don't like very much, or, or maybe we just don't really like them. <laughs> but we look at them and go, oh, i got nothing in common with them. Nope. There is something that we all share in common. Every one of us. Doesn't matter where you came from, doesn't matter what your race is, doesn't matter what language you speak, doesn't matter what clothes you wear, doesn't matter what you look like, doesn't matter what you act like. We all share one thing in common. We are all broken by our sin. Every one of us. And everyone that you see, whether you think you have anything in common with them or not, everyone that you see 
They had the same problem that you have. And the same solution applies to them that you know. For those of us here who know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we know the exact answer that every person in our world needs. We all need Jesus. So how, what are we going to do about that? How, what do we, we, you know, we, sometimes we know that. We know everybody needs to know about Jesus. How are we going to go about Letting them know. Well, uh, there are some ways that we can do that. We've been, all this whole year, we've been talking about what's your one, little things that you can do to take your steps forward in your walk with Christ. A lot of those have been ways that you can reach out to people to share Christ with people. We spent a month changing that to who's your one, and through that entire month, we, we looked at some ways that you can reach out to folks in your life and share Christ with them. All of those are on our website, by the way. There's a page on our website if you just go to nationalheights.org. Uh, there's a page on our website called What's Your One? You know that page? It lists every one of those that we've talked about all this whole year. And this is the reason why. Because every single person you're going to meet tomorrow, they need to know this. They need to know that they're broken in sin. And, and the reality is we don't really have to point that out to them. They already know it. They already know something's wrong with their life. They already know that things aren't going quite the way that they were promised they would go, that, that the things that they are trying are not fulfilling them. They already know that. They already know the problem. What they need is the answer. And we have that answer in Jesus. So, so here's, a, here's the what's your one for, for today. Uh, you think that you don't have anything in common with them, but you know you have at least one. You, you know that we're all sinners. <laughs> so, so you know you've got that in common with them, whoever they are. That you, we're exactly on the same place. We have exactly the same need. We have exactly the same answer in Jesus. So you know you've got that in common with them. But you probably have something else in common with a lot of people around you that maybe you just haven't thought of. So be on the lookout for those things, things that you do for hobbies or interests that you have or or. or sports teams that you follow or something that you have in common that can start that bridge to begin that conversation with them about what you really have in common. Your need for Jesus. Because everybody you know needs the answer that you know in Jesus. Heavenly Father, this morning, as hard as it is, we do ask you to take the blinders off and let us see our sin for what, what it really is. We've been looking at this passage that's very familiar, but it's very hard to read. Because as we read about Adam and Eve, we see that we've all done exactly the same thing. We've all known what you wanted us to do and said no. And so, Lord, we're just as guilty as they are. But, Lord, today we give you praise that what we could not do, you have done for us. That in your love and your mercy, you gave the sacrifice that changes everything. God, remind us that there are people in our world that don't know that. There are people that are, live right next door to us. There are people that live right across the street. There are people that, that we will work with. The people that we'll go to school with. The people that, that we will see that, that they don't know that. They, they know the emptiness. They, they know the brokenness, but they don't know how to fix it. So God, help us to watch 
for ways that we can begin to build bridges to them. We share a lot more in common with them than sometimes we might think. Help us to watch for those opportunities to build a bridge to share the desperate message that we need. The message of Jesus. For it is in his name we pray. Amen.